0: Alright, you know how this starts. Got a Bible? Grab it. What? Open it, turn it on, follow along on screen, in your outline, or use the Central Church app, right? Um, Genesis chapter 45 is where we're going to start. Uh, we'll end in Genesis 50, but we're going to get there through, um, chapter 45 final week of a series called unexpected. And in this series, we've been looking at old Testament Joseph and we've been kind of following along his story. How many of you enjoyed this series? How many of you liked it? I, I really, I really enjoyed it. This is this has been one of the ones that, um, really good for me because it's really, um, it's really been one of those series where I've taken a lot of what God is working on in me and kind of spilled it out to you. Um, I told you last week that today's message is only for people who have a hard time forgiving someone. And so that should be everybody in here. If you don't, if, you, if you're not, you're cool with forgiving everyone. It's go, we're going to pause right here so you can get up and walk out. And we're going to write your name down so that we can get a lesson from you next time. Just just kidding. Um I'll try to make some early jokes because they don't work later on, I promise. Um but the reason we're talking about this, there's a couple reasons we're talking about forgiveness. Number one, it's in the story of Joseph. It it really is. Um there is forgiveness in the story of Joseph, and I'll show you that um shortly. But number two, forgiveness is is something that's easy to talk about when it comes to other people. But it's way more difficult and In our own lives, when it comes to us. How many of you would agree with that statement? Yeah, all of us. And so let me tell you why I'm talking about forgiveness today. Again, um, not only does it fit in the story so well, but but this is what what I believe about unforgiveness. I believe that when it comes to connecting with others, one of the biggest obstacles in regards to our walk with Jesus is our unwillingness to forgive. One of the, when it comes to connecting with others, one of the biggest obstacles, one of the biggest hindrances, one of the biggest distractions, one of the biggest whatever adjective you want to put there that's negative in regards to our walk with Jesus is our unwillingness to forgive. How many of you would agree with that statement? That that, that should be all of us, because I promise you that's true, and I I believe that with all of my heart, and I believe it because of what I've experienced in ministry, but more so in what I have personally experienced and what personally goes on in my own life. Like, I I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, many of you, every Sunday, you say, Ryan, you were really preaching to me today, but I want to let you know, most of the time, especially today, this is the message that I need to hear so i'm probably preaching to myself more than i'm preaching to anybody else in this place today If you get something out of it great I've gotten a ton out of it and I need to say this before I really get started Jesus has Great plans for our lives like we're created on purpose with a purpose for a purpose I preach that all the time all the time. I tell you God has an amazing plan for your life and I tell you in fact It's it's immeasurably more than any of us could ever ask or imagine We've talked about that every single week in this story And I truly believe that that God's plans are greater than our plans that his ways are higher than our ways and he Will give us more and and bless us in ways more than we could ever possibly imagine however Something I don't talk about a lot that I actually probably shouldn't talk about, um, but it's true. And it's this, just like Jesus has incredible plans for your life, Satan has a plan for your life too. And that idiot's plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. And so I'm going to go ahead and let you know that one of the major weapons that he uses, that the devil uses, the enemy uses, is this thing called unforgiveness, now it doesn't seem like a big deal but but it is like unforgiveness doesn't seem like like a like a huge deal because we can we can think about and we can understand areas that we've been hurt in and we can and we just be like it's it's just a thing it's just it's just a way of life it, it's kind of like it's kind of like this shim Everybody got one of these when you walked in, right? Everybody got one of these. If you don't get one of these, run to the back real quick and get it. You're going to need it in a little while. Everybody knows what a shim is for. A shim is, is mostly used in, like, we identify this with construction work. And a shim, I mean, it, it really, it really isn't much, right? It doesn't look like much. It's, it's nothing more than a really thin piece of wood. But you can do amazing things with one of these. Like you can use them to level things. The, I live in an old house. And so these are all over my house. These are underneath furniture. They're underneath our bed, dressers, stove, refrigerator. Like everything's got shims underneath it. Like if you get these things just wedged in just right and you move it around, you, you can... You can align things properly. Everyone, Everybody understand that? The reason I'm using this and the reason I think this illustration works so well is because unforgiveness is Satan's shim. And he wants to put it in your life so he can align you with doing his will. Because listen, don't miss this. If he can get this in you, then I'm going to guarantee you two things. Number one, your walk with Jesus will stall. Your walk with Jesus will stall. You're not going to lose your salvation or anything like that, but your walk with Jesus will stall. And number two, it's nearly impossible to connect with other people when you're carrying bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. Trust me, I know. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Because at the end of the day, I want for everybody in this room, I want for everybody watching online to be able to say, hey. I'm making progress in my relationship with Jesus, and and I want us to be able to say I, I'm not where I used to, I'm not I'm not where I need to be, but I'm not where I used to be. But at least I'm taking some steps forward. At least I'm making progress. I want for us as a church and people to be able to say that we're always taking next steps in our relationship with Jesus. But unforgiveness is one of those things that's going to hold us back. Unforgiveness is going to hold us back Unforgiveness is going to hold us back It's going to hold us back individually And it's going to hold us back as a church I promise you It's going to do both things And we, we need to figure out how to move forward And so we're going to talk about this in the life of Joseph Now, quick question It's not a trick question It's an easy question Do you think that Joseph had some anger and bitterness issues when it came to, oh, I don't know, say his brothers? Yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I get upset at small things, but they beat him up. His brothers beat him up. They stripped him naked, stole his most favorite possession, his coat, threw him in a pit, and then sold him into slavery. Joseph got sold into slavery by his brothers. He gets to Potiphar's house, and he gets treated bad in Potiphar's house. He gets to prison for 13 years. This dude experiences pure hell. Think about that. There's nothing good in the story that happens for 13 years. For 13 years, it looks like Joseph's life is falling completely apart. All because his brothers... His brothers, those closest to him, those that he could trust, those that, that he had relationship with him, all because his brothers turned their back on him and betrayed him. And so if anybody has a reason to be angry and bitter at his brothers, it's Joseph. Yes or no? Yeah. So, well, l- l- let me say this before I go any further. This is important. I should say this is the beginning of the next service. As I'm talking about forgiveness this morning, I am not going to minimize your pain. I, If you've been hurt, you've been hurt. I'm not going to tell you to get over it because that doesn't work, right? I've had people say, you need to just get over it. Oh my gosh, you're amazing. Did you come up with that all on your own? We should nickname you Jesus because that's just genius. You're just awesome. Get over it. All of us know that doesn't work. Yes or no? Like, get over it does not work. And so I want to try to show you in the scriptures how Joseph was able to work through it and how we can work through it as well. So Joseph, we left him last week. Remember, his brothers came. They bowed down before him. After that happened, it wasn't wasn't all of his brothers that showed up. It was just some of his brothers. Um, And so after his brothers came and bowed down, he wanted to make sure that he got all of his brothers together. And so in Genesis chapter 43 and in Genesis chapter 44, he does this thing where he kind of gets all of his brothers together. He makes sure he gets them all in the same room. And when he gets them all in the same room, when they're all 12 together, right? 11 brothers and Joseph, there's 12 sons that Jacob had. When they're all 12 in the same room, he looks at his attendants and he tells his attendants, everybody out. I just want it to be me and them. And this is what happens. This is Genesis 45, verse 3. It starts out. He says, I am Joseph. Notice that exclamation point there. He's excited about this. I am Joseph. And if you're one of the brothers and you haven't heard from this kid for years, this is your oh crap moment, right? I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. (laughs) Duh. They were stunned to realize Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer. Now, if this is a movie and you're watching this, when Joseph says, please come closer, you're like, no, nah, man, don't do it, boys. Like, just, just don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't go there. Don't, oh, you went there. Like, that, that's not good. Please come closer. And they're like, no, no, no. It, it's cool, Joe. We don't, we don't need to come closer. But Joe's like, hey, come closer. I've seen you guys since the beating. I mean, the last time I saw you guys, you were counting all the money you made off me. Which, by the way, 20 shekels of silver? Wasn't very much, guys. Like, you could sold me for a whole lot more. I see how much you value me. So come a little closer. Let me really make sure it's you. Come closer, he said to them. So they came closer. And he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery. Now, I I don't know about you. Maybe this is, maybe this is just me. But I love, 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 love a good revenge scene in a movie. Anybody else? Anyone else? One of my all time favorite movies, probably top three movie is the movie Gladiator. I can watch that movie over and over and over again. And I love the scene where he identifies himself. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The one where he goes, My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, general of the legion. And he goes through that whole thing and he says... Father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. And they and they show the 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 emperor guy and he's like freaking out. I love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it. I love a good revenge scene. And so if you're watching this story, the story of Joseph, and it's a movie, you're expecting Joseph to go psycho Billy Ninja over all of his brothers right here, right? That's what you're expecting. But then the unexpected happens. Like, like if you're reading this, you didn't see this coming. This, this came out of nowhere. This is unexpected because this is what happens. Don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It, what, this is huge right here. It was God. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. What? It, it was It was God? Had God been working in Joseph's life, yes or no? Yes, we've talked about three weeks. Remember we talked about two weeks ago. What would you be willing to do if you absolutely knew God was with you, right? Remember we talked about that and hopefully you wrestled through that. Hopefully you're continuing to wrestle with that because you should absolutely know that God is with you. God says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God is absolutely with you. So knowing God is absolutely with you, what are you going to be willing to do? I believe at, at this point, Joseph knew God Was absolutely with him, And, and I don't know. I don't know at what point he chose to forgive. I don't know how it happened. I just know he made the decision to forgive them before they even showed their face. And then he said, Hey, you all thought you were doing that to me? It was actually God. What just are you are you crazy? Dude, they beat you. They stripped you naked. They stole your greatest possession. They threw you in a pit and they sold you. Yeah, I know. It's cool. It really wasn't them. It was God. Watch this. It was God who sent me ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and then there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you. There he goes again with the God card. Obviously, God had been doing something in Joseph's life during this time. And we don't know when and we don't know how and we don't know where, but God had done something significant in his heart. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was, here it is again. This is the third time he tells them. Wasn't you guys? Don't you try to take the credit for it. Don't you try to get the glory. What, wasn't you that, that that did this to me. It was God who sent me here. Not you. He is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh. The manager of his entire palace and the governor of all of Egypt. Joseph. Who had every right to be bitter and angry and have his brothers executed on the spot, chose to forgive, which is which is crazy, because right now we live in cancel culture, right? Right? I have to say that really slow because I can't say it really fast. Like like we live in that. We live in a cancel culture. People look through our Facebook and our Twitter and they're like, you said something seven years ago. Oh, you said this, you're you're done. And, and, and then people run away and people leave and people don't want to have anything to do with you. And, and by the way, this is just a side note. This is another message for another time. People could cancel you, but they can't cancel God. Amen? And they can't cancel the calling God has placed on your life. No matter how hard they flip and try, they can't do it. They're never going to cancel God. So let them keep trying. And God's going to show up and God's going to show up in a huge way. God, anyway, I like a good revenge scene. Anyway, so Joseph did not live in cancel culture when it came to canceling his brothers. And so he didn't execute them, but instead he canceled the debt in his mind the, the 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 debt that he could have demanded his brothers owed him right th- 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 could he have done that yes or no yeah his brothers owed him something and he could have demanded that So with that in mind, I want to share four facts about forgiveness based on this story and what I have personally experienced, what I am experiencing um, in, in my life and in ministry in general, all right? So four things about forgiveness. Number one, forgiveness is up to us, not them. Forgiveness is up to us, not them. And when I say them, I'm talking about the person or the people that have hurt you, people that have screwed you over. That's what I'm talking about. Forgiveness is not up to them; it's up to us. Now, just real quick survey because I want to see you know where you're all at on this. Like I want everybody to play. All right, this is all skate. Everyone's got to play. Um, I want to see what some of your hobbies are. Okay, how many of you are golfers? How many of you you love to golf? I'm not going to make fun of you. All right, I I sometimes I like to go out on the golf course. I golfed yesterday. Um, I had a good time. I'm terrible. Absolutely terrible at golf. The people that golfed with me yesterday will tell you, like, Ryan is bad. Like, really bad. Like, fr- yeah, that's me right there. Why can't you just go to your home, ball? Like, just just get in there. All right? So, golfers. How many hunters? This is where I really fall. I, I love to hunt. I, I like to hunt. Um, I like to shoot things. I like to shoot guns. I like to go out and do all that. That's that's cool for me. How many, how many fish? This is where I'm out. How many fisher people? Not, not fishermen. You can't say that anymore because of cancel culture, right? So you gotta say fisher people. How many of you like to fish? That, that's not me. Alright, we, we could do all of this. We could put all these different hobbies up here. We could talk about these things. But, but how many people, how many people you would say that your hobby, that your favorite thing to do in life is wait? How many of you would say that? Like you just love to wait we turn the lights all the way on? No, I just don't. Uh, nobody, right? Like, nobody likes that. What if I told you that's my favorite? That's my favorite. Like, I've never been honest with you guys. I, I just, I love to wait. Like, I know I tell you I don't like it, but, but I love it. Like, it's my absolute favorite. Like, I love it when somebody tells me they're going to be there in five minutes and they don't show up for 25. I love that. Don't you love that? N- none of you are saying, man, Ryan, you know what? I love to wait. Like when my spouse tells me they're gonna be there at 3 o'clock and they don't show up till 4 15, as soon as they walk into the room, I sing their praises. You should learn how to do that, Pastor. It makes your marriage so much better. You know why? Because I love waiting. You'll never hear me say. Sometimes I love to go high v, to high V. And stand behind crazy cat lady while she's got her checkbook out and all of her coupons. And I love to just wait while she scans each and every one. I love that. Anybody like that? Does anybody... Any, don't tell me if you are that person. But does anybody like, nobody Nobody likes to wait, right? None of us like to wait. Can we agree on that? None of us like to wait. None of us like to wait. And so my question for all of us, me included, is... When it comes to forgiveness, if none of us like to wait, and we're all going to agree that none of us, nobody likes to wait, when it comes to forgiveness, what are you waiting for? When it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to forgiving that person that hurt you, those people that hurt you, the situation that led people to betray you, what are you waiting for? like legit. What are you waiting for? Now I get it. Cause maybe you're like me and you're like, well, I'm waiting on them. Right? Because, because I find myself doing this so very often. I'm waiting on them to acknowledge that they hurt me. You know what that is? You know what I've discovered that is? That's not forgiveness. That's entitlement. It's not forgiveness. It's entitlement. And listen to me, God will never, ever, ever, ever bless entitlement. He's never going to bless entitlement. And by the way, if the message today, if it feels heavy, that, that's that's because it is. Forgiveness is not up to them. It's up to me. Because I've had people say, and I've said this before, oh, forgive them when they ask for it. What if they're dead? I mean, that's going to be a problem. Unless you remember like that weirdo John, Jonathan Edwards that used to be on TV. Remember that idiot that let you talk to dead people? That dude was a fake. All right. You don't really get to do that, but I'm just saying to say, Oh, forgive them when they ask for it. That, that sounds good on the outside, right? And, and, and some people may say, well, that's a, that's a really good message. And that's the message we should be preaching. It's not the message we should be preaching. And yes, it sounds good, but it's an excuse. What are you waiting for? what are you waiting for? If that statement is true, that it's not up to them, it's up to us. Then what are you waiting for? You know why? Joseph's brothers never asked for forgiveness. Never did. Not a single one of them. If I'm one of the brothers, as soon as he says, I am Joseph, I'm like, hey, sorry, dude. <laughs> sorry for the whole thing, man. Like, I, I was just participating with the rest of them, you know? Like, I I, I didn't really want to do it, but, you know, if Sally needed the Ishmaelites, you know, the pit, all that stuff. My bad, man. Like, I'm apologizing. They never did. They never did. In fact, his dad, Jacob, lived for several more years, and then Jacob died. His brothers get together, and his brothers start talking. And, and this is... I guess, I guess this is what I would call a semi-ask for forgiveness. This is what happened. It's chapter 50 verse 14. After burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. Verse 16. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you. They're saying, hey, 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 Joe. Daddy said to forgive us. Are, are they asking for forgiveness at this point, yes or no? Come on, are they really asking for forgiveness at this point, yes or no? No. They said, dad said. I mean, like, an I'm sorry right here would have sufficed. and I'm sorry right here would have probably appeased Joseph. It would have been fine. But they're like, oh, you know... Dad said to forgive us. Forgive us for their sin and treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of God, your father, beg you to forgive our sin. Only because dad said so. Only because dad said so will you forgive us. That's not really them asking for forgiveness, right? But, but watch what happens. When Joseph receives the, received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? Look look at that. Don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Are you God? Are you? Are you God that you could punish the people or the person that hurt you? Are you God that you can punish the person or the people that hurt you? Do you really, really, really want to take that stance? Do you? Verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. How do you say that? Like, I've never been that godly. I'm just being honest with you. I've never been that godly. You intended to harm me. God intended it for good. I'm praying and hoping I can get there. But you screwed me over. You did that. You freaking hurt me. You betrayed me. You left me. You abandoned me. Hey, Ryan, God intended it for good. So Joseph is saying, God intended it for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. I'm sorry, that just hit me funny. What do we talk about in this church? Reaching the lost. Doing whatever it takes. Getting on board with that. Taking our next steps. Doing what God calls us to do. What have we been talking about in this series? The pit, the prison, the palace. What is God bringing you to? Because God brought you through for the saving of many lives. Don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Joseph's brothers lived in fear. And right here, Joseph didn't have any fear. You know why? Because he had already forgiven them. And, and, and I'm starting to believe and see that when we learn to forgive, fear just kind of disintegrates in our lives. It just, just, it just kind of disappears. And, and by the way, the, the whole "I'll forgive them when they ask." When Jesus was being crucified, think about this: When Jesus was being crucified, he prayed, "Father, what? Father, what? Forgive them." Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Here's what's crazy. They didn't ask for forgiveness. They did not ask for forgiveness. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we have to learn how to forgive people even when they don't ask for it. If we're waiting on them to ask. Once again, that's not forgiveness. It's entitlement. What are you waiting for? What are we waiting for? This leads to the second thing. Number two. Forgiveness is not a one-time decision. It's a process. Forgiveness is not a one-time. I wish it was. Good Lord, I wish it was. But forgiveness is not a one-time decision. It's a process. We talk a lot in this church about healing being a process. I think we talk about it so much again because I, Pastor Ryan, needs to be reminded of it over and over and over again. Forgiveness is a process process. Right, Healing is a process. It's the same thing with forgiveness. And let me quick say this. Forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. You can't say, I'm going to wait until I feel like forgiving. Because guess what? You're never going to feel like it. You're never going to feel like it. It is a choice that we have to make. And and there are people in this room, and I know this because I'm one of you. I'm, I'm not above you. I am one of you. We've forgiven somebody. And then maybe a week, a month, a year, five years, 10 years, 15 years later, we find ourselves in the place where we're mad at them for the same thing all over again. And then we question ourselves. I thought it was farther along than this. I thought it was better than this. I thought I was a. I thought I was. I thought I was a better Christian than this. I thought I was following Jesus closer than this. And at that point, we deal with guilt, and we deal with shame, and we deal with pain because we thought we had forgiven. And here we are with those negative emotions all over again. And in those moments, listen to me, church. In those moments, we've got to learn. We've got to learn. We've got to learn to say, "I've chosen to forgive them. I've chosen to forgive them. I've chosen to forgive them. I've chosen to forgive them. I made the choice to forgive them." Let, let me tell you why I know this so well and how I know this so well. The, the other day, this past week, John, John did something that made him feel like he had to ask my forgiveness. It was really no big deal. It, it really wasn't. If I told you what it was, you'd be like, that's stupid. But to him, it was a big deal. It really wasn't. But to him, it was a big deal. But it caused me to think back to something that happened to me, something similar. And even though that person never p- apologized, I had to forgive. I told him the story. I told him what happened. And after I told him the story, I g- I got in my Jeep and I and I drove to St. Greg's. On the ride there, listen. I hadn't thought about that moment for years. But on the ride there, that and about 20 other things that happened to me and and to the people around me because of that person came flooding back into my mind. So I'm driving down the road and I saw that guy in my mind and I saw him in that moment. And in that moment, I wanted to hurt him, like physically grab him by the head and just slam his face into the ground over and over and over. I had that urge. I was angry. And then I paused and I said, you know what? I chose to forgive him years ago. I chose to forgive. I I just told John. I chose to forgive him. And in this moment, I'm choosing to forgive again. I'm going to continue to choose forgiveness because I don't want the enemy aligning me with his purpose. That's why it makes so much sense when Peter came to Jesus and asked him a question, Matthew 18. He said, Lord, how often should I forgive somebody who has sinned against me? How many times should I forgive somebody who's betrayed me? How many times should I forgive somebody who's offended me? How many times should I forgive somebody? Seven times? Now, that's a loaded question because in the Bible, seven is the number of completion. And, and, And so Peter's basically saying, Lord, how do I forgive people? Do I completely forgive them? And Jesus does this thing. It's so neat. Jesus is so cool and frustrating at the same time. Jesus is like, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And if you're doing the math, you're like, okay, that's carry the six, four, divide by eight, 490, right? I don't know math, a common core. I don't know. 400, like, and so you're like, okay, I'm at 399, 4, 490. I got there. I don't have to, and Jesus said, no, not completely, but continually. You've got to completely and continually forgive so that Satan doesn't get his shim shoved into your life. And the reason I say that is because all of us have made the decision, maybe at some point, to forgive somebody. But we find ourselves in the same place, remembering the event and dealing with all of those negative emotions. And and listen, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means you're a human being. It means you're struggling through some things. But in that moment, just like in this moment right now, you've got to say, I've chosen to forgive. I've chosen to forgive. I've chosen to forgive. I've chosen to forgive. And church, listen to me. It is powerful. When we get to that point, you might be saying, I'll never get to that point, Pastor Ryan. Trust me, if I can get there, anybody can get there. And what I'm going to tell you right now is if I can do it once, I can do it again. This leads to the third point. This is the part of the message I'm going to get some pushback. This is the part where you're going to be like, oh, I don't agree with that. It's cool, but it's true. Number three, forgiveness does not mean complete restoration. Forgiveness does not mean complete restoration. Last time we preached on forgiveness, I told you this story about watching a, a guy on YouTube, and I'm not going to tell you who it was. You'll, you'll know who, who it is if I said it, and I'm not going to say it out loud, but I was watching this guy who was speaking on the subject of forgiveness. I was trying to learn some things, teach myself some things, so I could get up and honestly preach in front of you about forgiveness. And he said, Forgiveness isn't forgiveness until the relationship is completely restored. And I remember yelling at my computer, No, idiot! It can't be! It's just not true. Like, that sounds good. And that's awesome to teach. It's fluffy to the ears. But it is not true. Because just, just think about it from a practical level. If the relationship has to be completely restored, how do you forgive somebody that's dead? That's a problem, right? Do you dig them up? I forgive you. Shove them back down into the hole? No. Forgiveness does not mean complete restoration. Let me present it this way. Let me ask you a question. If you had a business, let's say you had a business and your business is doing really well. You start making a ton of money. So you start hiring a bunch of people. You finally have to hire somebody to look over all of the money, like to do the accounting, watch over all the money. Then you discover they're stealing money from you. Not just a little bit, but like a lot, like they steal a lot, a lot of money from you. And then you had to fire them. Could you forgive that person? Yes or no? Yes or no? How many of you say yes? All right. Yeah. You can forgive that person. Would you hire them back in the same position? Yes or no? No. How many of you, how many of you say no? How many of you say yes? Yes. How many of you say no? Well, if forgiveness means complete restoration, you should. You should. But you can't hire them back to the same position if they're the same person. Because if they haven't changed, they're going to do it again. And if there isn't change, it's going to happen all over again. And you've entered into a toxic relationship or a toxic situation. Listen, when it comes to other people, you can forgive them. You cannot change them. Some, Some of you need to own that statement with me. You can forgive them, but you cannot change them. If the dude from the earlier example, if he called me and said, hey, man, can we get together for coffee? No. No. I don't want to get together for coffee. Or if he said, hey, man, driving through, driving across country, stopping in Iowa, can I stop at your house? No. No, you, you can't stop at my house. I've forgiven them. I don't believe I have any animosity. In fact, anytime I preach on a Sunday, if I say something from this stage that feels heavy to you, understand, 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 I have dealt with this all week long. And so I'm pretty sure I can say with a clear conscience right now, as of this moment, I don't hate him. I don't wish bad things to happen to him. I'm not telling you that I didn't have to go through a process to get there. But I'm also not telling you I don't have to make a choice to forgive. And that doesn't mean that that relationship is ever going to be restored. Some relationships may never be restored. Some relationships may never be restored. Are you okay with that? Are you all right with that? Because listen if you forgive somebody and they stay the same and you stay in that toxic relationship, that relationship is going to continually pull you down. One of the best worst examples I've ever seen of this is women in domestic violence situation. And this isn't something I've just heard about. This is something I've seen with my own eyes. I've told you this story in this church before years ago at another church in another state. I got a phone call from a girl who attended the church I was serving. She was crying. She said, my boyfriend just beat me up again. This was an ongoing problem. And so I called two friends. I said, I said, hey, guys, I need your help. They said, where are we going? I said, church discipline. They said, let's go. They didn't even ask another question. We went to the house and I was like, hey, girl, you need to be, you need to be honest with me. How often does this happen? She said two or three times a week. She told me, he called me right, right before you guys got here. I said, what did he say? He said he was Sorry. And asked if I would forgive him. I said, what did you say? She said, yes, I told him I would forgive him. I said, let me ask you a question. Does he say he's sorry and please forgive me every time he hits you? She said, yes, he does. I said, then he's not sorry. He's not. And even though you've forgiven him, we've got to get you out of this house today. If you don't get out of here, this dude is going to kill you. While we were there, he called back. She said, he's calling right now. I said, give me the phone. I answered the phone. He said, who this? I said, this is Pastor Ryan. What are you doing in my house? I said, waiting on you. Church discipline. That's what church discipline is. Anyway, he didn't, he didn't show up. We got her out of the house. Things turned out great for her. The point of the story is this. She could forgive him, yes or no? Yes. She could forgive him, but she didn't have to stay with him. Paul tells us in Romans 12, verse 18, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In other words, do your part and let God handle the rest. Now, if you're the person saying, they need to pay me back, they need to pay me back, they need to pay me back, you know what I've discovered? That God handles this stuff way better than Ryan does. Just move out the way. Just move out of the way. Which leads to point number four. Point number four is this, forgiveness frees me, not them. Forgiveness frees me, not them. Now, I don't know what you're afraid of. There are a few things in life that absolutely terrify me. I know you might say, I'm not afraid of anything. Not me. (laughs) I got a list, baby. And one of those things, anybody deal with claustrophobia? Anyone? Yeah, a few people. Um, Now, here's the thing. I didn't really have that until I was in my late 20s, early 30s, and I had to have an MRI. And I had had multiple MRIs for, for hip issues and surgeries and things like that. But this one time, I'm telling you, I was in that tube. <laughs> She'll tell you, I lost my dang mind. I couldn't get over the fact that I, like this feeling that I was in a coffin. Like I couldn't breathe. It was, it was scary. It was, and so since that time, I can't do it. Like small, dark places freak me out. Now, the reason I say that is because when we're not willing to forgive someone, we don't put them in the dark. We put ourselves in the dark. The fear and the insecurity doesn't come from them. It comes from our unwillingness to forgive. Being unwilling. Like, like if you want to hold on to that anger and that bitterness against that person or those people because of what they did to you, it's only going to continue to hurt you. Listen, let me pause. I'm not minimizing anything that they did it hurt it sucks it's really painful the memories are not good but if you want to hold on to anger and bitterness it's equivalent to you drinking poison and expecting it to kill them all you're doing is allowing the enemy to get his way in your life you're allowing him to move you around and align you with his purpose and take your eyes off of jesus that's why Paul said, and man, this verse gets me every single time. It's Ephesians 4 verse 32. "Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, doing what? Forgiving one another. Why? Just through God, just as God, through Christ Jesus, has forgiven you. Forgive one another. Just as God has forgiven you, just as you've been forgiven. That's how you need to forgive. Just as I've been forgiven, that's how I need to forgive. And listen, this isn't easy. It's not easy, but it's right. It's not easy, but it's right. And as you make the choice to forgive, you'll take a step forward in your walk with Jesus, and you'll be able to connect with people better. So, with that, I want to end with a question. What name or names come to mind of a person or people that you need to make the choice to forgive? I'm not saying you feel like it. I'm saying you're going to today, right now, make the choice to forgive that person. If that person or those people popped into your mind, you know you need to forgive them, then forgive them. What are you waiting for? Because the enemy has used this thing for far too long in your life. The enemy has used this thing far too long in this church. Who is it? Who is it right now that you need to forgive? I want you to take this thing. I want you to take a pen. And right now I want you to write their name on this shim. Do it right now. Don't don't look around, see if anybody else is doing it. This isn't about them. It's not. It's not. This is about you. I want you to write down the name of the person or the people that you need to forgive. And here's another thing. We didn't get to this in this message. Maybe the name needs to be name name needs needs to be you. Sometimes the hardest person to forgive in our lives is ourselves. Because all contend nobody has hurt you like you have hurt you. Who is it? But you write the name down. But you write it down because today today You've got to forgive that person. As I preach this message, what person popped into your mind multiple times? Because I promise you somebody popped into your mind. I want you to take a name. I want you to write this name down on this shim. And as a representation of this is the thing that the enemy has used for far too long in my life. This is the thing that the devil has used for far too long. Everybody got it? In just a second, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to break the shim. And as you break it, you're saying, I'm making the choice today. To forgive this person. I'm making the choice to forgive today. I'm making the choice to forgive today. Today I'm making the choice to forgive and the power of unforgiveness is going to be broken in my life. I'm making the choice to forgive and the power of unforgiveness is going to be broken in my life. I'm making the choice to forgive and the power of unforgiveness is going to be broken in my life. And in this room, I want you to hear it for yourself. Not just what it's going to do for you but what it's going to do for everybody in this room. And so if that's you, if that's you and you're ready to make this decision and you wrote that name down, I want you to break this on the count of three. One, two, three. Three. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you in the name of Jesus for a representation of what it sounds like. The power of unforgiveness was broken in our lives. God, I pray that we would continue to hear it break. God, I pray that we'd never forget the sound that we just heard. And God, at any time we're tempted to think we can't forgive, that we would know God. You are the God who allows us to forgive. Heads bowed and eyes closed if you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Jesus. You've never received forgiveness. I want to know you right now, right where you sit, that that Jesus will come into your life and take over. All you've got to do is ask him. All you've got to do is receive this gift that he's offering you. And so right where you sit, I want you to pray, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come over and come in and take complete control. Be my God, be my king. Be my Savior. In your name I pray. Jesus, I want to thank you for the sound we heard of the power of unforgiveness being broken in the lives of so many people. God, I pray as we walk out of this place today that we would literally feel the freedom that we are now able to walk in because we made the choice to forgive. God, this coming week as things come up and we're tempted to take it back, God, that we would say, I completely forgave that person. I chose that Sunday. I'm choosing it today. I'm choosing it for the rest of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for the example. Thank you, Jesus, that I can walk in freedom. Thank you that I don't have to walk in bondage. Thank you, Jesus, that we can have abundant life. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.